if their new phones were just a screen and fake poop on the inside, I think people would still <laughs> buy them and they'd pay extra for Apple Care and Apple would blow out their earnings based on dongle cost. It's Monday, November 30th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Well, the news is slammed with Cyber Monday deals, so I want you to know, for your sake, we're wading through the treacherous waters of sweet deals to bring you all the post-Thanksgiving tech news today. You're welcome. How's it going, fellas? We are. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) I did, at least. (laughs) I don't know if y'all are awake yet. (laughs) It's going good. Go to Google Tech News or whatever. The whole like the first like yeah. fifty things are just Cyber Monday deals. Yeah, Cyber Monday there's, deals. there's a lot of Cyber Monday deals out there. I do y'all have y'all's eye on anything? Because I actually do not. Um, probably uh, because I, uh, I really bought things ahead of time this year because I've been stuck in my house for the last nine months. <laughs> yeah, there was plenty of that. Um, I found a couple of things that ended up being. Uh, beneficial um as usual like the amazon devices i don't think they changed for cyber monday but um the this it was the same for um i guess their black friday which has been going on for what like seven months or something but (laughs) um because of the separation of buildings in my my new place i actually picked up a show five and actually russ you your resounding uh stamp of approval on the echo shows um Mm -hmm. had me you know, kind of jump into them a little bit. So I actually picked up a Show 5 and a Show 8 with um, the really cheap Blink cameras, the indoor ones. Yeah. It was like five bucks or something um, because they're actually quite a bit cheaper than usual. Now, Amazon devices go on sale all the time, but 50% off is about as good as it gets for some of the higher end ones. So I picked those up and they make awesome intercoms, which is exactly what I bought them for. And then I got two Blink cams for five bucks a pop and I dropped one in the game room, one down in the I guess the theater is what I'm calling it now. And so that that was a... <laughs> I love listening to you describe your campus. <laughs> Feels like a campus. <laughs> Since there's distance between my building. <laughs> yeah. I have to revamp my, my building to building connection stuff because I'm not happy with the way that I built it out. I got to swap it. I was hoping that I could blanket the that little building out there with uh, an access point in my garage. And it just through the brick, it was garbage. And so I can't get a good connection down in that theater. And uh, yeah, so that I'm, was going to be my question. Swap was how, how is interweb access out in building number two? So two is two is good. It's building three that is a problem. <laughs> it's building yes, three it's that's ridiculous. the problem. My, I have, I have two bad. detached buildings. Yes. Uh, that's uh, one, of the, one of the wins. But um, no, it's really, really good in the garage. And the only reason it's really, really good in the garage is because I have a, a building-to-building link, which does duplex gigabit over a 60, 60 gigahertz channel. That doesn't sound possible. The mistake was putting it in the garage, thinking I could blanket the other structure. And it needs to be yep. reversed because the other structure is where all the good stuff happens. And all I need is like a simple phone sort of Wi-Fi connection in the garage. So I'm going to have to disassemble that <laughs> end of the spectrum and, and then flip-flop it. 
<laughs> building number three is always the one that'll get you. It is. That's right, kids. Watch out for building number three. <laughs> Not as much electronics in the 10-car garage. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's funny. I called it a garage here, but uh, it is a shop. Cars are not allowed inside. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't book cars okay, in my let's garage. Okay, get, let's get to the news. Let's get to the news. <laughs> uh, but I did see a deal that made me think of you. There was... Um, there was a fourth gen Echo Dot, like the spherical um, ball looking one. Oh, yeah. It also came with a light bulb. It was like a, a smart bulb or whatever. And it was like 25 bucks for the whole the deal. For, single Eds or something. They, they yeah, seem, something like seem that. to bundle those. I have a couple of single Eds actually from a really long time ago. And I put them in lamps for my kids. Uh, they're super fun, actually, because they do some pretty cool modes. Um, I mean, assuming you get one of the ones that has all the different colors colors and stuff um, yeah. so they can they can do like a rave in their room just by yelling at alexa it's fun nice okay and then the other the other good one on the alexa stuff or amazon oh, anyways, yeah? is, is they have uh for anybody that already has alexa devices if you order through your alexa device any of them echo show dot whatever uh you can order a single amazon smart plug for five dollars it's 540 after tax uh, at least here in texas one warning though, the Amazon smart plugs default in the off state if they if they have a power cycle. So don't use them for anything important ever. Well, why what? They default to off? Yeah, inexplicable. It, the only smart switch I've ever toyed with where if it was on and then it loses power, like power goes out in your house, it comes back in the off state. So it doesn't come back. Is what you're yeah, telling. So it doesn't come back. It, it comes back, but it doesn't come back powering the device. So you will be able to access it. As soon as it gets power and goes through its tiny little... Got it. So it doesn't come back. Effectively. Yeah. So so that's just super annoying. Uh, I'm not even going to call that one a feature. Bug? <laughs> okay. So uh, I wanted to start with this one. In today's segment called Super Creepy News, Ooh. there was a... Uh, so I, I subscribe to The Hustle. I know I've talked about it here uh, in the past. It's a newsletter of uh, tech-related stuff. They've always got fun snippets on this kind of stuff. This is not sponsored. I just personally enjoy reading their news. And I'm just straight up telling you, I got this from their newsletter. But uh, it was on CNET, I think this morning. And then I found a, a YouTube uh, link from that. But basically, this Japanese company, Kamenya Omoto, has a project called That Face, which offers people... So this is, this is for Japanese citizens. It will pay them $380 to have their faces copied onto a 3D mask. And then the company sells your face to other Japanese citizens. And it's super realistic and it's super creepy. What? What's your take? This sounds like something that's going to absolutely take off in Japan. I, I think this is going to do really well. If it hasn't already, how do you know the faces out there aren't yet? <laughs> that's true. Go watch the video. It's so creepy. I guess that will throw a lot of shade at any sort of facial recognition technology. But I can imagine a few distinct and immediate downsides to it being my face everyone else is wearing right like i'm cool with it being somebody else's face <laughs> yeah well if it's your face then you were spotted uh robbing the liquor store yeah for yeah sure. in 27 places simultaneously so maybe maybe that is a good idea <laughs> well maybe nobody can ever really know where tyler gates was That's we saw true. you here yeah but was it me there might be a massive benefit to having your face a thousand places. Can't they just call Amazon and get information from one of his 300 Alexa devices on where he is? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. No, I mean, I would think if everyone was wearing your face, it would make it easier to 
never really have like legal action that's brought against you turn into you being fined, right? Because there's lots of probability that it wasn't you. But you'd probably get a lot of phone calls and legal just garbage from that. Like, I don't think that the upside is good. Well, only if uh, only if people are doing nefarious things, right? I mean, I'm not sure how you jump to phone calls, but the 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 fact that going pretty dark here for a second, but the fact that somebody could get murdered because they're mistaken for somebody else that had their face scanned, right? That's that's terrible. All of this is just real creepy to me. I'm not I'm not arguing for any positive side to this. It's just Maybe you have to have a background <laughs> check that states like, "Hey, do you owe any nefarious people money?" You do? Okay, well, you nope. can't have your face scanned. <laughs> yeah, but what happens if you do get your face scanned and now your face is one of the top selling? Because they said in the article too that uh, you would get a percentage. So you get paid 380 but if your face becomes one of the top selling, then you get a percentage of all the sales. That's crazy. So now your face is everywhere. Now you, now you have like 10,000 copies of your face out there and then you go commit a crime. Maybe, wow. maybe the people that have your face, then they throw away that face. I don't know. I don't know. Ah, weird. This is, this is going to make someone a lot of money. Maybe the company's responsible for tracking it, tracking what's going on with those people. I'm going to watch them make that money while I eat popcorn in the corner. <laughs> right? Just, I'm, I'm not participating in that. Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy though, right? I mean, you used it to just be creepy. able to like it's go cool, buy a, a rubber mask of a former US president, right? That's what you see in like the bank robbery movies or whatever, right? Of course. Um, and that the hyper-realistic ones are amazing yeah. too. That's what's creepy about this one is it's super realistic. Yeah, I'm looking at the... I don't have the video going, but I can see kind of the thumbnail of it, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's in in this particular one, it's turning a woman into a man. Yeah, but the way I mean, it just in the 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 hole for the pupils, like it's just uh, it's it's crazy. But the mouth doesn't move. I feel like if you took a like it took a step back, and instead of basically selling your face, because I feel like that's where this went off the deep end real fast, <laughs> and you could you could upload your face and get copies of it to do goofy crap that could be really fun like imagine high school where everyone shows up with a you know a hyper realistic version of the same face like that's just a funny way to start the day but selling your face just makes it all bad right <laughs> i don't i don't know how else to say that yeah well and i mean you imagine too that this will disproportionately be faces of people that don't have money right that do yeah, I think you get that three hundred eighty bucks, right? Oh, for sure. And then people that can pay seven hundred fifty dollars just to have a copy of somebody else's face, yeah, you can see what that does as well. It's a little crazy, man. A little crazy. Okay, we can move off of that. Uh, I do. I do want to stay in Japan. Um, this is a little lighter on the subject, and it is Super Nintendo World will be opening on February fourth with augmented reality Mario Kart roller coaster. That's what? awesome. Yeah, they have. I, there's a short little maybe. 45 second video that just kind of shows some of the stuff. It looks like they've done an incredible job. This is through, I guess, Universal Studios Japan that has created Super Mario World, and it looks incredible. They're actually opening ahead of schedule, uh, is what it says here. So, Ooh, but awesome. February 4th, Ooh. 2021. 
But I will say that I don't have anything against Japan, but I never really had much of a reason to go there. I think this is possibly a reason to go to Japan one day. <laughs> TBP uh, goes to Japan. <laughs> That's right. Let's go. Shoot. Let's go. I, Japan's been on my short list for like ever. Yeah, me this, too, man. This is I, I just really another to to thing to go see while I'm there. But. I, I, I'm not much of a world traveler. I, I went to Croatia just because work took me to Croatia, and, and that, was, okay. that was the most adventurous thing I think I've ever done. Dude, um, you got to get out. I cannot say the same. I want to go to Japan. <laughs> Guys, I, I live three miles from the home that I grew up in. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is this is just who I am. Okay, well, TBP, you heard it here, is going to Super Nintendo World in February. Okay, wow, Let's make it happen. February, yeah. nice. There you go. Yeah, it opens February fourth. We got to be there. Coming soon. I want that to happen to a to a Japan near you. All right, let's stay in the Far East. I just saw this one you posted here, Russ. Chinese submarine sends first live video back from the bottom of the yeah. Trench. I now we've talked that. about this. That's cool. We've talked about the the capability so what was the one that i brought it was underwater wi-fi that's what it was oh yeah the challenges of like <laughs> of data traveling across lasers with with the current and all kinds of weird stuff like you'd have to wear a backpack that it's like why though why <laughs> right i'm i'm with this this if is you're good. shooting national geographic just capture the video come up edit it beautify it for us <laughs> on our 4k right. tvs we don't need live whatever but this is kind of cool. 10,000 meters deep. People said we didn't need live video of people playing video games. And yet we did. I never said Those that. people hate money, Russ. <laughs> and video games, probably. Now we're going to get professional gamers down there streaming underwater. That's what's going to happen <laughs> here soon. Uh, I think this is just an incredible technological marvel that they yeah. How'd they, they do it? off, though. Uh, you know, honestly... I don't know. They don't have anything in here that I've noticed that says specifics of, of what they were able to pull yeah, off. I don't, other I don't than talked about it. the seabed surveyed as uh, China moves into deep sea mining. So the submersible, it's a tough word, equipped with robotic <laughs> arms to collect biological samples and sonar eyes. It's using eyes in quotation marks. They use sound waves to identify surrounding objects is making repeated dives to test its capabilities. So they're basically just testing over and over again, the capabilities of this craft. One of the things which they tested was the ability to send back live video. Uh, mm. So they, I guess they have a couple yeah. of things that they're running through, and this was the first thing they were able to do. So it's pretty crazy. I wish the article linked, or, or any article that I've seen about this, because I've seen the headline in a few places, I wish they talked about um, how they were able to accomplish that, right? Because uh, it it's 10,000 meters. It's very unlikely. It was tethered, right? That one would make a lot of sense as far as getting information up. But it says that it it relayed through some deep sea cameras or a camera anyways. It, it's singular here. But um, I'm curious about the relay, right? Because uh, again, the communication through water is not pretty for most slash all radio. Right. Yeah. So uh, I kind of wish they double clicked on it. They didn't. Um, but it, yeah, it was neat. I guess that was the the live stream was sort of their claim to fame there because uh, they're saying in this article they they got to ten thousand nine hundred and twenty seven meters or shy of the the world record, which is ten thousand nine twenty seven. Um, so they didn't actually break the depth record, um, but they did live stream it. But they're they still down home, in the trench. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. Are deep. They're yeah. in the deepest part of the, the trench for sure. Which which is interesting because if you think about it from the fact that they are doing this to test the capabilities, B, 
being able to live stream back footage while you're doing it is, yeah. is an interesting way to get a you know a constant feedback loop on what you're testing and what yeah. the, what changes that the condition goes down. So I do yeah. think that there is a a pretty practical use there for for whatever this test is for. And it's if it just, works in the Challenger Deep, it's going to work everywhere else. That's exactly a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool that they were to pull this off. Eight tons per square inch is what is pressure. What the water pressure is down that deep. What? Gosh, that is tons per square inch. Unimaginable. Eight tons per square inch. How does that compare to the inverse of the vacuum of space? Ooh, Ooh. that's a question for Tyler. I I actually <laughs> think that's. A lot more. Yeah, I think it has to be in pressure. Yeah, I mean the see if humans are in there. I mean it would be atmospheric pressure on the inside, the vacuum. I actually don't even remember. I'm not sure I ever learned that math. But eight tons is seems high, way, way, way high. Yeah. Right? Like uh, like don't get out of the ship type of high. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, yes, actually, Russ, that's a good point. Right at eight tons per square inch, you're you're not doing you're not opening anything that's got pressure on the inside at that point. But I would think the atmospheric pressure, like inside the space station, for instance, I don't know if that would define the maximum or not. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to dive into that. Vacuum quality is measured in tors and PAs. And then you've got inches of mercury. Okay. All right. We're going to move off of that before we just completely <laughs> derail. But, but this always reminds me to Google whenever we talk about the, the ocean floor. Um, how much of our seafloor have we mapped? And it's still about 20%. I think last time we talked about this, we were up to 19%. But, uh, you know, and, and it always blows my mind too. Actually, not really if you think about it because of how difficult it is to get down there and move around. But the fact that we've only mapped about a fifth of our ocean floor, whereas we've fully mapped our moon, Mars, um, you know, et cetera. So anyway, I think we fully mapped Mars. Has the rover gone? Have they covered Mars completely? I think so. I do not know. Anyway, let's get back to the news. What else we got here? What was this sidewalk thing? Amazon faces a privacy backlash for its sidewalk feature, which turns Alexa devices into neighborhood Wi-Fi networks that owners have to opt out of. It's the opt out of that's getting them so much flack. Yep, for sure. Tyler, have you seen anything on this? I, I had just seen the article and I thought it was interesting because I was, I was wondering if, because interestingly enough, my so I have Eero, my Wi-Fi provider, and they are now owned by Amazon. So Amazon owns a a Wi-Fi, you know, provider of sorts, a, a wireless mesh company. And I got an update today that allowed uh, for frustration-free setup of Wi-Fi devices, which basically means Amazon devices, when they come to your home, you order it from them, they're immediately going to be on your network or something along those lines. This seems like it's the opposite. It's like bringing in those devices will now also be able to relay internet. I don't know why. So I didn't know if anyone else had seen Dude, this. Um, that, I don't doing. know why right there. Yeah, look, well, hold on. Let me read what it is real quick. So Amazon Sidewalk it will connect Echo and Ring doorbells to any nearby Alexa device, even those owned yeah. by your neighbors. It, it's like, supposed uh, to improve something in the way their services work, but I'm I'm just at odds with why I would want to enable that in general. But I, I did see, um, actually, when I was setting one of my older Echo devices back up in a different place um, that it, it prompted me. So I had to opt out of uh, Sidewalk in a, a device that's actually just in my backyard, which is weird. You have an Amazon device in the middle of your backyard? I did. I, I did a 
I'm going to call it a $10 test because the, the echo flexes, the ones that plug directly into an outlet. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're really not designed to be a speaker so much as just a microphone. Um, I have, I ran some cafe lights out around a fire pit that I put out in the sort of the depth of my backyard. And I plugged my flex into a, an extension cord that's basically running up a tree to power all those cafe lights. And I left it out there in the rain to see if it would survive, which I think it did for starters. It, not, I think it did. It did. It absolutely survived because we got a lot of rain last night or two nights, two nights ago last night. It froze. So we'll see how it's doing today. Dude. I think I'm going to seal up the ports. It's got a USB port and an audio auxiliary out port. And then it has a little bit of like a, a screen for the microphone, I think, array that's in this in that device. I think that's what that little screen is. But it survived the rain two nights ago. And and I call it a ten dollar test because the flexes were another thing that were on super cheap on Amazon's device sales. So it was ten bucks, and I, I went ahead and got another one because I assume it's not going to make it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You call it a ten dollar test because the item was ten dollars? Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Russ, forget Super Nintendo World. Tyler has cafe lights. We're going there. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting here is it says that this service will only be available in the U.S. when it launches. And I, I say it's interesting because I don't see any way in which the EU is going to allow this to work. Like they are so much more strict on on their laws for privacy and maybe even yeah. consumer rights to some degree. I, people are not responding well to this. Uh, one, one person, his name is... Ian Thornton Trump, uh, I, I'm, I don't think there's any relation to any other Trumps, the chief information security officer at Sijax uh, told Forbes uh, that the launch was deeply problematic from a privacy perspective. The on-by-default yeah. approach is not consumer-friendly. And then he followed on to say, no one rides on my Wi-Fi for free, especially <laughs> a giant corporation <laughs> with billions of dollars. I like I this, said dude. I said. That's right. That's uh, just, yeah. Give me some so money. Just to double... Double down and make sure y'all understand, listeners, following what's happening here. So Sidewalk will use Wi-Fi from your neighbor's house to create a shared network that helps the devices work better. And then that's what Russ just said, right? They, the bridge devices, they'll share a small portion of your internet and their internet, pull it together and provide basically better connectivity to each of those devices. But the only problem is now your Alexa devices are now connected to your neighbors. That's creepy. Okay, I'm still at a loss why why anyone would want to do this, open themselves up to any of the n- numerous downsides I feel like we could just sort of postulate. But are Amazon devices already meshing in a way that makes them useful? Because that's news to me. Like, I, I kind of just want to enable fake sidewalk where my Alexa devices just work better because they're communicating with each other. As opposed to excellent point, like I I do. I mean, occasionally I'm going to have connectivity problems. Usually I feel like it's on the cloud side of Alexa. It'll be like it'll play one song and stop. This seems to be a recurring problem that I have with Mm -hmm. with my Alexas or or Echoes, I guess. Um, But if it's capable of piggybacking on my neighbor's Wi-Fi through the device, like are we improving how they work locally, too? Because now we're talking. Well, yeah, that would be something I'd rather see them work on. But what it looks like to me is that they're just trying to get better throughput to the device by having multiple points of connection for internet bandwidth. Uh, okay. If it can talk to your neighbors, if if your Echo can talk to your neighbor's Echo yeah. and then be connected to your neighbor's Wi-Fi and your Wi-Fi at the same time, now that device becomes more reliable sure. to you whenever you ask it, especially if it's like on the edge of your house 
the edge of your fourth building and it's having trouble connecting to your Wi-Fi and it can better connect to your neighbor's Wi-Fi. That, but that, that bothers me though. It does. Well, yeah. And my, my Wi-Fi is far more accessible than my neighbor's Wi-Fi right now, which means if everyone did this, they'd just be piggybacking on mine. So how do I, how do I find out if my devices are doing this? It says on by default approach. I think it's on by default, but when, so when I got prompted, it was setting up a new device. Um, I don't think it took devices that are already actively on and made them part of sidewalk, but now you got me wondering. Yeah, we need to go look into that. Yep, for sure. That's a needs to be a follow-up item. All right, what else we got here? Let's keep moving. Facebook. We haven't talked about Facebook yet. Libra cryptocurrency. You guys are crypto guys. Uh, they, so they tried to launch Libra in 2019. Immediately ran into some problems. Why do you suspect? <laughs> well, according to, again, The Hustle. I love their articles. Again, not sponsored, but man. They, they put out some good stuff. Governments don't want the Zuckbuck to replace their national Zuck currencies. <laughs> I hope they call it the Zuckbuck. <laughs> Me too. But it, it looks like they're still targeting uh, Facebook Libra, which would launch in uh, a scaled back version in 2021. <laughs> so if you're a Facebook diehard, which I think none of our listeners are, <laughs> be watching this space. Does it say what scaled back means? Because uh, mm. I, I do remember there being issues initially with uh, what they were launching. I don't remember the specifics though. I can wonder what it is that they are scaling back that makes them seem as though this is now, this is now going to be fine. Uh, I don't know. I think it was something around probably more like a Facebook wallet type of an app or something like that where, right. Where you've got a digital currency that you can kind of like Apple pay cash or something. Maybe, maybe they just start with that before truly offering a cryptocurrency. Right, because Apple Cash isn't a cryptocurrency; it's just a virtual right. wallet that that is U.S. dollars. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, I think so. In, in this article, actually, does point out the original purpose for for Libra, which was it was supposed to be a brand new currency tied to a basket of actual fiat currencies and securities. So originally, it would be based on a single real world real world currency, but a mix. Uh, I'm sorry, wouldn't be based on a single real world currency, but a mix of multiple currencies. Hmm. Uh, many central banks and regulators have been concerned about this vision. So that was a a big aspect of what it was doing. And so it changed course and started working on several single currency stable coins. The point being is I think what they're doing, instead of having one Zuckbuck to rule them all, that sort of had an association with all of these different currencies, there's going to be a bunch of different Zuckbucks that tie directly to the individual currencies in various regions. That's that's how I'm reading this. I don't know if that's the case, but that looks to be uh, what is happening here. So it says like, for instance, one unit of a USD backed stable coin is always worth $1 by comparison. Hmm. So it tracks with the US dollar. Okay. So that's, quite a bit unique well maybe that's that's what they mean by scaled back then doesn't tether do that too wasn't that sounds like the name would imply yeah. well yeah and i mean yeah. that, that was certainly the intent and then there are some questions about how much uh basically fiat exists to back the price of tether which again is one-to-one -one, but it, it 
scales to other coins according to the value of the coin. I don't know. There's lots of questions there. I, I'm honestly not that familiar with Facebook's coin. Um, well, I think the, the point is, is that there are cryptocurrencies that are called stable coins. Yeah. And there are a few of them out there. Tether would, mm-hmm. oh, would yeah. be another one. And so this is just, this is Facebook's version of a stable coin. And, and that's ultimately what it is. I, I don't know what their driving force behind it is yeah. for, for wanting to do it. Um, but it does look like they have things inside the app. So it says, for instance, in addition to the standalone app, um, which I have no idea what it's called, maybe Novi, it looks like, that will let you send and receive Libra tokens, you'll also be able to manage your Novi account from Messenger, meaning Facebook Messenger, of course, and WhatsApp. Uh, so Facebook expects people to start using Novi for remittance purposes and peer-to-peer payments. That's sort of what they expect from this, leveraging their vast network of people who are already connected via some of these services. So that's that's the driving force here. It's it's a very interesting take uh, for it. Just it seems to me like something that I'm surprised to see Zuck get into, unless he just very very badly wanted something called the Zuck Buck, which in that case I understand. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can see, I, I can see value in stable coins, but um, that's, uh, I don't know. It's curious, and I don't know why. Why? I guess the answer to the question I hadn't actually asked rhetorically, which is, why would you choose Facebook's coin? The answer is the number of people that use Facebook regularly mm-hmm. might just drive that outright. So, uh, yeah, like stablecoins, e- even just for trading, stablecoins make sense, right? Uh, because as opposed to taking a highly volatile Bitcoin as a sort of standard for where you what are you talking something as volatile Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're screwing around with alts, being able to purchase something that is anchored to the value of a dollar is far more. Um, I don't know. Practical is just feels like the wrong word. Then uh, yeah, but does that take Tyler? Does that take all the fun and excitement out of it? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, For I sure. would never do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've not invested in crypto. I'm asking. I, you guys. I already have uh, access to USD, so I don't. I don't need. Yeah, you can long. always just move back to USD too, yeah. and and that's the. But the, again, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for why you would want a Facebook branded stable coin in your life. Hmm. Okay. Boo. All right. What else y'all want to talk about? Here's some more news. Uh, Tesla is set to be added to the S&P 500 index next month. Who? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Are they important? Good for Elon? Yeah. It was yeah. Great for Elon. If, if I remember all of the news about his net worth. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Uh it, I don't know that it's terribly surprising. I, they're huge, no. right? I mean, in, in as fact, far as valuation goes, it, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it was sort of inevitable that it ended up in the indices that track overall. I don't even know what they track anymore. I was going to say health of the market, but really it just seems like speculation. But um, it's, there's more than 500 companies already in the S&P 500. Are there more than 500? There oh, are. Oh yeah, it's 505 today. Yep. What? It's, uh, How does yeah. that happen? Well, that's the name. It's not. There were no rules about how. I thought or the why. rule was simply like the 500 largest companies. Nope. It because uh, it's, it's a large that's cap. It's a large cap. That's where it started, but oh. uh, it it didn't stay there, and now they can do whatever they want with it. So they do. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know that. 
yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, the Big Ten in college football with like 13 teams and the Big 12 with 10 teams. S&P 500 with 505 teams. It's funny because I, I think it, it really, it's good for Tesla investors that that happened. I mean, clearly it's, it's valuation sort of went up even on the news of it being included. But I, I think it's because the S&P 500 as an index is something that is so approachable to worldwide investors in the U.S. market that anything that's in it is just going to benefit from that. So it's it's well, definitely good news for Tesla investors. No okay, because that answers my other question. Is is that truly good news, right? Does being placed on the S&P 500, now obviously you're going to be getting pulled into all kinds of mutual funds that track it or whatever, or people that just you know use straight index funds. Apparently, I mean, this article talks about how it's going to trigger... A uh, hundred billion plus in trades, in addition to what it already has, hundred billion dollars. Sorry, um, is that a positive thing? Yeah, I, I think it is for is it- Tesla investors. I mean, obviously, it, trading like that is zero sum. So somebody's somebody is yeah. using in the sense that somebody's going to pay whatever the new price is for it. But um, I, I, it should not change the valuation of Tesla stock, but it absolutely did. And will so oh, it seems it to be positive. That's how this works. <laughs> I'm curious if historically that tends a company being added to the S and P 500 if that adds to its volatility or creates stability or yeah. there's no real there's no real match. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, it's a good curious. question. Okay, uh, what else? There was another one that I saw in the hustle, and I promise this this podcast is not going to be all about the hustle. They just had some good quality <laughs> stuff in there this morning. <laughs> I feel like I signed up for the hustle one time and the number of just insanely annoying emails that I got from all of like the tertiary brands associated with that was such a huge oh, really? turnoff. I backed out in like three days. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. Did you, do you not just get spammed to death no. from all of the things that may, maybe I signed no. up the wrong way then. There's I'll so much spam in my that. personal email that there's no Jeez. way they could send me more that I could actually discern as new spam. <laughs> I was just trying to find good articles and it was like blowing my mind. Dude, I'm so liberal with the report and unsubscribe button in, in Gmail. Like every, anything that looks like, I mean, if I just don't even want to open the email, Boom, just kick it out. Go, 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 go. I don't care. So my my personal Gmail is actually pretty good. But the, the other thing I wanted to bring up was, um, so you all know I just got the 12 Pro Max. And I was curious on the amount of people that went after the uh, Apple Care Plus on their mobile device, which my so happens did. to be the number, the top selling item uh, on Black Friday was was smartphones. So I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But mm. the, the the question here is: Did Apple upsell you its extended warranty? Answer: Probably yes. They brought in seven <laughs> billion dollars of revenue Goodness. on the year just on Apple Care Plus, which would make it, as the article says here, a top ten commercial uh, insurer. That's insane. <laughs> just the Apple Care for mobile phones. I believe it. See, but this this makes perfect sense to me. Is that Apple is going to continue to do really, really well because how it established itself in the market. If their new phones were, I I don't like just a screen and fake poop on the inside. I think people would still (laughs) buy them and they'd pay extra for Apple Care, and Apple would blow out their earnings based on on dongle cost. It's (laughs) it's crazy how good they are at this stuff. 
Tyler, your brain never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel slightly insulted by that. By you should way. be. Hey, Just speaking of speaking of insulting things, uh, I actually read an article about sort of the flagship phone camera comparisons lately, and one thing that caught me off guard a little bit. This is an Ars article, um, and I'd have to go find it. It's not in the show notes or anything like that, but it compared the Pixel. Uh, the one that Russ has, Pixel 5, um, to the iPhone 12. Don't know if it was the Max or one of the other ones, but I assume it was whichever one has the best camera. It doesn't matter. It's the same poop behind some glass. That, that's what I'm matter. saying. That's this basically the point I'm making. Stop trying to steal <laughs> that, my thunder. Better than and then real. Huawei's, Huawei's most recent flagship. And across the board, Huawei's camera either outperformed both of the other cameras consistently or was on par. So all the crazy news and awesomeness around Apple's because they are a marketing tank and Huawei has a better camera in its phone or better image processing. Now, it doesn't have the raw stuff, which sounded really cool. And, you know, we have friends that think that's awesome and I'm sure people will do really cool things with it. But I was surprised to see that, A, the Pixel 5's camera was good, but of the three, definitely not the best. But B, that... Apple's camera did not outperform other lenses. According to who? Who said that? I, I will find the article and share it with you, but it's from right. ours. I, I, I say that half jokingly. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend the uh, the camera phone. Um, it is night and day better than the eight that I had. Yeah, yeah. That's it, all I needed. I needed something in the same in the same vein of what I was yeah. used to that had a much better camera. That's it. Right. No, and, and I follow you, but I think a lot of people are are moving to that thinking that it's like, it is the bee's knees, which I will give Apple credit here. Again, I know I joke about it a lot, but they are incredible at convincing people that their version of something is the yeah. best. The irony being usually that their screens are produced by, oh, I don't know, Samsung, and their yeah. cameras are produced by also someone that produces competitive phones like nothing is special about that part of their exactly nothing is special about that part of their devices their silicon that's that is something that they probably compete very directly with when that's that's something they do an incredible job with uh, with the actual asics they put in there yeah exactly so so you make a strong point but you'll never hear me say that it's the best and that that's why no and that's fair i i buy the one i prefer in that in that sure uh, in that in that generation when you're updating i'm saying a lot of people that buy apple devices do not think the way you think about apple devices sure yeah well and it's it's true too because when i was looking at it you know you can go see 10 different you know photo comparison videos and it's just a constant constant discussion right people all you can go find somebody that will say it's the best camera for whatever specific scenario for whatever yeah Right. So that's why I asked just who, who said it. It was just an Ars technical uh, showdown between, it was the Pixel 5. I don't even know the Huawei phone, um, like the model. I, I'm. What's funny, so MKBHD, I've talked about him a lot on the show as well. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I would go do it. Um, Marquez Brownlee. But he recently did like a playoff, uh, the blind smartphone camera bracket. Uh, 16 way smartphone. I need to go look into this and talk about it on maybe the next show or something. But basically he created a bracket. He's not telling you what phone he's taking photos with. And then you use the Twitter vote button to say which camera or which picture. <laughs> I best. like it. And then it comes out with a champion. Right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So 
and then we'll see. And it's probably going to be like this hundred dollar, you know, Nokia flip phone or something. <laughs> it's always yeah, a Nokia flip phone. Well, all this says to me is that Google needs to be paying very close attention because you point out that like this is all people talk about. Google changed the game whenever they released like the pixel cam and the uh, all of the algorithms that changed the way the pictures came out and made them so incredible. And they really haven't done much since. I mean, candidly, right? I've, I've owned at least two of these phones. And so the while they're phenomenal, um, I mean, very good. They, they've never been the best at video. That's something they've always lacked on. They got a little better this year. They just opted to not improve on it over the years. I mean, it's still using the same sensor from 2016 whenever they started doing this. They literally have not changed the hardware at all. Whereas all of the other manufacturers out there have dramatically improved the hardware and they have slowly been creeping up in the computational photography side of things. And so that's where Google is losing its lead that it had for so long is in the computational side of things because, mm-hmm. and this was the, the point so that funny. they had made. It, it is funny. The guy a who invented like it, he, he left and went to Adobe to try to implement some similar photography type of things over there. And he said that he backed Google's stance of not changing their sensor, which basically he's the only person who's backing that. <laughs> and, and he said it's because the, the algorithms that they have built for their computational ph- photography are so unbelievably explicit to that sensor yeah, that it would yeah. it would be so difficult to make the changes and get tangibly better results. And so, you know, I I have no real basis to disagree with him, but I would like to see them try because we are definitely yeah. seeing other results that are, you know, matching it and exceeding it in a lot of scenarios. But the real area right. they need to focus on is just improving their video. I mean, Samsung and Apple have mopped the floor with Google for years on the video side of things. And so I'd like to see them focus there, but also it's clear, you know, Huawei obviously not going to be a big thing in the U S from an no. adoption standpoint, but it's clear that other people are really catching up. In fact, a lot of people have said for years that Sony, the Sony Xperia line, which does not sell very well, mm. uh, actually had the best camera for a lot of use cases, but it, once again, almost no one has it. So who, you know, no one knows yeah. that. Yeah. Right. And that's the point right there. You have to have a complete offering that people want to buy. Yeah, and, and Apple totally, I mean, they, they tend to take the cake uh, shy of something like a Pixel, perhaps. Um, and it's not like Android doesn't have that holistic user experience. They've got their shortcomings, but they aren't enough to drive people off the platform in most cases. Apple, by far, has a, a full package that's extremely competitive, right? Because their user experience is extraordinary and their gear is good, uh, if not great, right? Um, so you look at some of the stuff like this is like Huawei's camera might be better. It's image processing might be better. It's overall experience is like a train wreck in a lot of cases from a software <laughs> perspective, as far as, as people's reviews of it go. Right. So they don't have the whole package. Apple does a very, very good job of that. Well, okay. Any other major news? We should probably cut this. There's there's two things, one of which I'll just make real quick, which is the, the actor who played Darth Vader um, passed away. Oh, yeah. So in, what I mean, I mean the person who physically played him. So right. the person who was in the suit because uh, George Earl Jones actually voiced Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think George is still with us. But the person who actually just played uh, the, the physical person inside of the suit, he did pass away. 
which which is sad, but he was at 85. So it was uh, definitely he was getting up there in years. So sad to see that, especially with, uh, you know, things like the Mandalorian doing incredibly well right now in mm-hmm. Star Wars, very much so still uh, in everyone's hearts and minds. The the interesting article that I saw to maybe you mean close James, this with, James Earl Jones, James. Yeah. Did I say George? Yeah. I, I George have Lucas. said that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so I'll, no I'll tell I'll tell no, well, I'll tell a quick story. I have said George Earl Jones for like twenty years. It, <laughs> so this is that's why I knew is that what I said because for some yeah. reason I always I don't know why I've made that correlation that way. And you're right, it probably is George Lucas that causes me to do it. But um, well, what was weird yeah. to me was how it didn't catch in my buffer until like twenty seconds after you said. Yeah. Like I'm reading an article and then the voice like pinged in my brain. I was like, wait, <laughs> what do you say? Wait a second. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have said that at least for 20 years. So it's, it's, you'll hear it again. I can pretty much guarantee it. Uh, but this other article is interesting. It says the Supreme Court uh, is hearing its first big CFAA case. Now, do either one of you know what the CFAA is? CFAA. No, I have no idea. Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, which yeah, is okay. also I described about that, but I didn't remember it. Yeah, it is described as the worst law in the technology <laughs> law books. <laughs> and and you know they they have various links in this article to other places, and it, it does look as though this is a a law that people do not like. But it's it's interesting. So the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act was signed into federal law in 1986. And you guys can probably guess as to where this is going, but it, it predates the modern internet as we know it, uh, which governs to this day what constitutes hacking or otherwise known as unauthorized access to a computer or network. The controversial law was de- designed to uh, prosecute hackers, but has been dubbed the worst law in technology law books by critics who say it's outdated in vague language fails to protect good faith hackers from finding and disclosing security vulnerabilities. So the white hat hackers of the world. Uh, It's interesting here because it's actually going through a case that is dealing with, uh, it looks like a, maybe a police officer or someone in law enforcement who maybe went further into a computer system than they were supposed to. And so it's 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 making a ruling. Um, the Supreme Court's opinion on this case could decide whether or not millions of ordinary Americans are committing a federal crime when they engage in computer activities that, while common, don't comport with an online service or employer's terms of use. Basically, once again, you have access to this system, but you go further into it than you are supposed to. It could constitute the term of hacking. So this is a, an interesting approach to it. And I guess that's the vagueness and the issue with sort of the timing with which this was put into, a, you know, or enacted, meaning before the the, the common internet that we know it today is and, and what we what we view as hacking. And so it's there's a lot of issues with this where this law is apparently st- struck, I'm saying, because people say it strikes again, um, has been used in a very odd way. And apparently the Supreme Court is going to have a, a pretty big ruling on it over this case, over this law enforcement officer, which could have wide-reaching implications. And for anyone who is interested, it looks like uh, it is the Van Buren versus United States that the Supreme Court is looking up to. So if you want to look it up further, that's that's what this case is in, in re- reference to. So I'd never seen it before. I thought it was interesting just because 
it's another situation, kind of like the hearings where we either have laws, rules, policies, whatever you want to call them, that maybe aren't best suited to handle some of the changes that the world has gone through in the last, say, 20 years. And and this is one one pretty big one that it looks like is is going through, especially if it were to affect just everyday people that are using computer systems in the way that they have used them their entire lives, because that's just the, the natural way with which they were built. So it's an interesting piece we saw on on tech law. Yeah, one to follow for sure. Did y'all watch the? Uh, oh, sorry, we really need to shut this down. I got to go. But did y'all watch the um, <laughs> the latest Mandalorian one I from did. Friday? It was no, I am I am behind at least uh, an episode or two. Oh man! Well, okay. it's a really big deal. So watch it, Tyler. I'll eventually, <laughs> one of these up. days. One of these days. <laughs> oh man! It's well, the only thing I wanted to say was just the way that that character. <laughs> I won't. No spoilers for Tyler, but the way that character entered the episode was 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 really incredible. I don't know. Yes. It was very cinematic, very cool. As it should have been in order to give that character uh, the the respect that that character deserves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Hey, good talking to you guys. This yeah. Was fun. This was Absolutely. It's a great way to start the week after after my little uh, kitchen wood-burning fire. That was awesome. Dude, that was my, awesome. My, my youngest was sitting in my lap this morning, and he's not my cuddle bug, but He's the last cuddle bug I got. Um, it was awesome. Anyways, this was uh, this was a good second place way to start the week. And uh, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We hope that you like the topics that we got into. If you don't, let us know. If you do, let us know. And if you'd like to join us on a show, definitely let us know because we love to have guests. And thanks for your support. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Later. Booyah, Grandma. Woo! Sweetie, we're going to Japan. Super Nintendo World in February.